that I would give and, and what we did was like make the risk real. Like we made the job real. We got clients, we charged money, we did financial projections, we talked to our families, we set up the day such that this really feels like what it's going to be like to do this as a full-time job. You need to have the contrast between old and new that the new is just, it's a need. At that point, it's like, I'm not excited about doing it. I don't just like, I don't want to do it. It's like, I need to do it. All right. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Connected podcast. This is Jared Hawking. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. So I'm very excited to bring you today's conversation, which is with Brett Gornick and Jason Lobig of Live Better Co., a Chicago-based mindfulness and wellness company. As you'll hear in this conversation, Brett and Jason are very fun to talk to and to listen to, and generally just very inspiring guys. They have great perspectives on a number of the conversation topics that we get into, including what encompasses well-being, how to decide whether your personal passion should also be your career, and practical advice to make that happen, how to form a daily gratitude and mindfulness practice the distinction between goals and systems, holding oneself accountable to achieving one's goals, how to avoid getting tracked out, as they call it, what the world would look like if everyone knew they had freedom of choice, and other interesting topics. I think you'll find this conversation valuable. And now I bring you Brett Gornick and Jason Lobick. All right. I am here with Brett Gornick and Jason Lobig of Live Better Co. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on, man. Absolutely. I, I'm super excited about this. I've been listening to your podcast, the the Live Better podcast, which is available on the Apple Podcast app and just been really inspiring and, and motivating listening to some of those episodes. Actually, some of my favorites are just you guys kind of, uh, you know, improvising, talking about your your daily rituals, your, you know, how you get in the li- in the best day ever mindset. So I would highly recommend our listeners to check out your your podcast. And really my goal is just to prompt you guys with with questions and, and get you talking as much as possible because it's very fun to listen to. So let's start by orientating our audience somewhat. Tell me what is Live, Live Better Co., your, your company, and what kind of things do you guys offer? Yeah, so Live Better is a experiential um, and wellness business. And so we run experiences, whether those are in person or now a little bit more digital, um, to get people to really understand that wellness is the cornerstone for their life. And once they get their wellness strategies intact, they can then give more back to others. And so the root of our business is that give back mission. And then understanding that when you take care of yourself to a very high level, you have more energy you have more time and you have stronger efforts so that you can give back more to those around you. Excellent. Anything you want to add, Brett? Uh, We have started to, this is Jason, by the way, we have started to um, work towards building a very holistic community. So uh, what started as a protein bar um, you know, Brett kind of gave you the, the, the overview of what started as a protein bar has now morphed into developing a full on, um, community. 
And as you mentioned, the focus for our business um, has centered on mindset. And really the experiential part is delivering all of the elements of our mindset through different types of wellness vehicles, whether that be training, yoga, meditation, workshops, whether that be the work we do with kids in schools to the work we do in the corporate space. It's really delivering wellness as an experience and then building this community in the background. Very cool. Very cool. And one thing I I definitely want to ask you more about and am curious about are those retreats and weekend that that you do. And actually, maybe why, why don't we go to that just for a second? So I've heard from our close friend, our mutual friend, Andy Lederman, who's been on more than one of these retreats that really the the live better experience is really encapsulated in those and it can be a really transformational experience so why don't one of you share what those opportunities are and obviously right now is a difficult time probably to plan the the next one or you know there's some uncertainty there but how might our listeners be able to take advantage of one of those <laughs> yeah unfortunately our spring one um, had to be postponed so currently it is scheduled for November 2nd of this year We'll see what happens with international travel. We're hopeful, but um, we know that no matter what happens this year, we'll at least make a, uh, make a full return in the future. Our retreats are really the, the full experience. They are the full culmination of all the things that we teach, all the things that we care about, the, the community, the, the workshops, the workouts, like everything that I kind of just listed to you on how we deliver mindset through um, wellness experiences all comes through on this trip. And the trip is just more than surfing and yoga, although in El Salvador where we do host the trips, that is a huge part of it. The focus is on creating the conditions and creating the space for people to really figure out what they want to do. And I think, you know, that sounds kind of surface level and that sounds kind of whimsical, but if you take a step back and think about how hard and how difficult it is for people to get really clear at home, that's why people go on vacations. The problem is when you go on a vacation, normally it's just kind of a numbing effect. Um, You're not actually creating space and taking time to reorganize. Maybe you take a Sunday afternoon to do that, but then you're kind of worried about going back to work on Monday and it's just there's too much confusion in your brain and there's not enough extended time. The other thing to to really get clear on what you want. And the other thing that's so great about the retreats is that you're surrounded by people all trying to do the same thing. And you're surrounded by people that find the same challenges that you find about being stressed, about pursuing passions, about trying new things and getting uncomfortable. And that is the, that's the real magic of the retreat is it gives people a space to be their healthiest. And then you're in a community and you're in an environment that is so supportive of you trying to do those things that it is such a like momentous, positive experience that really does translate after. And we've had some people make some pretty remarkable progress coming off of one of these retreats. Um, We've had... Many people come on retreats, like further their business, um, fortify their relationships, start businesses, just like get very, very clear on what it is that is important to them. And then what we provide is the coaching, the support system, and 
the wellness background for them to make that a sustainable process. So the retreats are really the, the full culmination of everything that we teach, everything that we stand for, all wrapped together in one epic week. <laughs> so we would love anyone um, and everyone to join us on those trips. Hopefully we get to go back to El Salvador in November. Really, really cool. Thank you for sharing that. And it seems like what I pulled out of that is that these retreats really offer an opportunity to re-examine one's life and what one's priorities are and, and how one is approaching life. And I know you guys have both experienced that and, and felt that tension of, you know, I'm I'm not in a position currently that I'm super passionate about and how do I make this leap? And, and that's actually the, the next question I wanted to ask you about. Um, but those, those just seem like really special opportunities, not only to get in that wellness frame of mind. And as you're saying, um, carry, carry those habits that you, you pick up going forward, but take a step back and, and ask, you know, about your relationships, about, you know, your, your mental habits, uh, you know, you examine your, your thoughts and your career. And that's just really special. And I think something a lot of people could take, take advantage of. So going to you guys both, um, and, and Jason, I believe you kind of, um, you know, talk about this a lot on the podcast about how you guys both pursued what, you know, what was expected of you or, you know, kind of went down this path of, of going to school, getting good grades, finding a job that you can be relied upon, uh, rely on, but not pursuing something that you were, you were super passionate about. And so for, especially, those that are out there that are thinking about starting their own business or have an idea that they're passionate about, how did you make that decision to turn Live Better Co. into, into your full-time position and into starting this company? And, and what's been the trajectory you followed to get the company to where it is today? Yeah, we can, we can answer that um, separately. I would say, you know, from, from my point of view, the getting the getting tracked, we call it like getting tracked out, <laughs> like a skiing term, getting tracked out is really easy when you just sort of follow what the like best path that's laid in front of you is. So for me, it was like, okay, well, I'm going to go into business school. The, you know, the, the highest degree I can go after is an accounting degree. And in that, there are four firms, which they push you to. And there are two big chunks of that that do the heaviest recruiting. And there are three big cities, which pull um, a ton of recruits into. And it's just like you kind of naturally just get shuffled towards something. The, the hard part is that when you're younger, you if you have come up underneath uh, an education system, like you have really been indoctrinated to just kind of like keep working towards some of those metrics without a huge emphasis on like really exploring what it is you want. It, it, if you had encouraging parents, if you had an encouraging support system or plenty of opportunity to explore different things, the it, it's a little bit easier to see like, oh, well, I'm passionate about this. Maybe I should try this. But it, it's almost never encouraged that that's what you actually do for your vocation. My sort of like caveat to my own advice is that following your passions into a job, and this kind of addresses the second part of your question, following your passions and making them a job is not always the smartest decision. So 
the the advice that I would give and, and what we did was like make the risk real. Like we made the job real. We got clients. We charged money. We did financial projections. We talked to our families. We set up the day such that this really feels like what it's going to be like to do this as a full-time job. That is very different from if you're a trainer, just like writing workouts for fun after you come home from your day job or writing workouts for your friends and your family. When you're in it, grinding for clients, trying to make ends meet, dealing with the gym, doing your own insurance. I mean, it's just, there's so much more that goes into making it a career than simply like the fun stuff and like doing workouts for Instagram. It's just like, it's not that it's not as um, entrepreneurship and, and just starting your own business in general is a difficult, extremely stressful path. If you can make the correct decision and what you're passionate about really is what you want to do for a career, it does make it a heck of a lot easier. Um, Brett can share a, a, a story of something he wrote in his journal four years ago today, but it really is like when you when you uh, when you walk out, you need to have the contrast between old and new. That the new is just it's a need at that point. It's like I'm not excited about doing it. I don't just like I don't want to do it. It's like I need to do it. When I when I got to that point, that's when I knew it was like we were ready to to make it a full time thing. I was like. I need to try this. I need to pursue this. I need to help these people that I cannot currently dedicate enough time because my other job is in the way. <laughs> and mm-hmm. once I got to that point, that was my like, all right, you 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 like you need to do this. It's not it's not a longer a want. It's no longer like a little passion project. It's not a side hustle. Like this is the hustle, and you need to do it. Once I got to that point. Um, that was like a total game changer for me. You can make things real way faster than you think, but most people just want to make it perfect before they do it. So mm-hmm. it's like you could be a personal trainer and have one client like that is mm-hmm. still doing it. You're still, you know, you, you are still charging somebody money for a service you're giving and someone is attaching a value to that and there will be an outcome successful or unsuccessful on that, you know, with, with shades of gray, of course, but that I think process of making it real and like actually taking action, doing something about it is a huge step. And I think the more often you can do that, like the easier it is to continually do that, to continually take risks. Absolutely. And I was thinking, you know, when Brett told that story, and, and this is something I've experienced personally too, wanting to pivot into a new career path is that as you allude to in the kind of uh, genesis of live better story, you know, the way that our society and career paths are structured is that people make huge investments, literally huge investments in terms of time and money to pursue a career path that ultimately they don't even know if it's something they would enjoy. You know, think about people who go to medical school and pursue the the career path of becoming a, a doctor or, you know, take out hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans to go to law school for three years without ever having stepped foot in in that reality and what it would be like to to be that lawyer. And a lot of the times probably they find out that 
it's not something that they, you know, they, they might have glamorized it too much or had a different understanding of what it would entail. And they kind of feel stuck because I've made this huge investment and now, you know, I, I'm pretty much locked into, into this path. But Brett, I think, did something very smart and something that people might not, you know, th- there's not enough systems for this to, for people to take advantage of. But what he did is he kind of gave that a try and found an opportunity to see what it would be like to, to be in the wellness space, to be, you know, to, to experience that. And that's something, uh, is that something absolutely you would recommend Brett? And are there ways that you can recommend people, um, try to, to make that happen and, and see what it would be like to run their own business before going all in? Yeah, I think it's a great, it's a great starting point. Um, and so a little bit of background about how I got into what I was doing at the start was a very similar story to Jason was kind of pushed into a career path. Honestly, mine was, I was finishing up my, I was, I was the beginning of my senior year of college and the job fair hit. And I went with my really crappy suit that was eight sizes too big and a resume that probably had spelling errors on it. And I just went to the career fair. And honestly, like that was the first time in my life where I really thought about a job. And I remember going to that career fair, went to the University of Illinois. So it was massive, bunch of companies there, a bunch of young people that worked at these companies that were either faking that they liked it or thought that they liked it. um, And we're trying to sell you on these jobs. And so I, I went up to a bunch of different booths and was just more like inquiring about jobs and um, ended up finding a couple that sounded interesting. So I applied, essentially took the offer that had the most money um, and got a job like first semester of my senior year. So I was, you know, like, I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is it. Uh, and I remember at a young age when I was in high school, um, when I met my pretty much like my mentor in the training space, um, and he would, he was, he's an amazing guy. Um, he taught me a lot about strength training and about eating and about just passion. And I remember I was working out with him in the summer and we had a group of other high school kids that would work out with us. And I remember one of my buddies saying, Hey man, like you're, you gotta be a personal trainer. And at that point we were working out at an export fitness and I looked around the other personal trainers and none of them could touch their toes. Their biceps were bigger than their thighs. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy. And that's just what I associated with a personal trainer. Um, little did I know that there's a lot of different types of training. So fast forward, um, probably seven years graduating college and I had started working for Kohl's department stores, corporate doing analytics. And I actually really loved that job. It was, it was very much a big business, but a lot of like entrepreneurialness in there because you got to do a lot of different things and create projects. And I was working out at the gym Uh, And I worked out every day and I remember just being like, man, like there's some trainers in here doing some cool stuff. So I went up to the head trainer and said, Hey, what would it take for me to become a trainer? And he's like, I've seen you in here working out a lot. Um, you, you know what you're doing. Um, if you get, you have to get a certification just for legal reasons. So here's a couple different certs. You can get this one online. So I, I look it up and I think this is like, this is a step which, which people just get hesitant on is being like, I mean, I was young, you know, and I was, I remember the certification, I was probably like three or 400 bucks. And I was like, man, 300 bucks, like that, like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, this is a big deal. 
And I was like, screw it. I'm just going to do it. So like, I think a lot of people don't invest in themselves. You talked a lot, Jared, about investing, like your entire college career is an investment in your future, except if you're not paying for it, or if you get loans, like you just think you need to do it. So a lot of people don't invest in themselves for what they want to do. So I got that certification, walked up to the trainer, said, hey, man, I got this. And he was like, sweet, let's get you on the book. So I started um, literally subbing for trainers that were out of town, or he let me kind of speak to a couple new people that wanted clients. And so, you know, at this point, I'm training maybe be three to four hours a week um, and training two or three clients and just seeing what it was like. Didn't really have that intention to turn it into a career. It was more just like it was an itch I needed to scratch. Very much how Jason was like, there was just a day where I needed to go at it. So I started scratching that itch and just realized like, wow, I really like this. But then I still had a lot of limiting beliefs because the clients were paying like 85 bucks for a training session and I was only making 15 and I was being like, man, this can't be a career. Like if I see my salary and then I divide that by 15, I'm like, I'm going to have to work so many hours a week to make this a thing. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I'm going to learn. And eventually um, things ended up. So I was coming back to Chicago um, and then that's where Jason and I met up. And then we started chatting and that's kind of where like the next iteration started of us really being like, Hey man, let's, let's turn this into something bigger um, and more and training is going to be a part of it. Really cool. And yeah, I, one of the books that I recommend really for anyone is Reed Hoffman who founded LinkedIn. He wrote this book called the startup of you. And, you know, there's a lot of career books out there that are relatively outdated, but this is extremely timely. And he talks about how, I can't remember what department he was working in at at Apple at the time, but he really wanted to get into product design. So he reached out to, you know, the product design supervisor and said, Hey, could I just, you know, take on a few projects on the side in addition to my, my current job and you can, you know, evaluate my, my output and my, my fit for this role. And I think that is a really, you kind of did that in the same way that you said, you know, this is something I think I would enjoy and let me see if I would enjoy it and let me see if I'm competent at it and, you know, learn things along the way and, and ultimately got to where you are now. So that's, uh, you know, for listeners out there, I, I think that's a really valuable insight if you're looking to get into something new. So let's pivot quickly, um, less on the personal side and more on your company side. How how do you guys think about or define health and wellness? There's actually a lot more that goes into it than just physical wellness. T- tell me some of your thoughts. When we think about wellness, we really, and Jason mentioned this earlier, but we start with the mindset. And so I think when you believe in yourself Um, When you have framework set up, you can really start to take action. And I think a lot of what people think of, especially with buzzwords like holistic or health and wellness or fitness, is people really think of um, just their body. And we focus first on the mind because once you get that figured out, you really can start to take serious action towards what other wellness goals you might have. 
Excellent. Yeah, that's that's definitely a segue towards something I wanted to ask you about, which is you guys focus a lot on uh, gratitude and, and mindfulness. Do do each of you have a daily mindfulness meditation practice and, and gratitude practice? Tell me about that. Yeah, I think um, I think meditation and I've really been diving to into this a lot more consistently recently is just massive. So from a gratitude perspective, actually, Jason's mom got us both these floor mats and our, our slogan is have the best day ever. And it's something that when people hear it for the first time, they might laugh um, or everybody's seen a shirt or a mug that says it, but we say it every day. And we think that every single day is the best day ever. And it's something, again, that starts with your mind, because once you believe in that, you really understand that it's the choices that you make, it's the way in which you react to things that happen around you, and you choose that. So Jason's mom got us these best day ever mats, and I have it right next to my bed. So from a gratitude perspective, it's the first thing I step on in the morning, and I look down at it. Meditation is, I think, a it's a skill that is becoming very popular, which is great. And I think there is so much opportunity for people to use it. And I think the hardest thing about it for most people is just the starting because it takes weeks and weeks, months and months and years and years of consistent effort to really understand the benefit. So of course, the first time you lay down, you either feel like, wow, that was great or I didn't even... I couldn't connect to any breathing. I didn't even know what she, the person was talking about. And so you either, you know, go down one way or the other. And at the end of the day, all meditation really is, is carving out the space for yourself. And so I have meditation practices where my mind wanders for the entire time I do it. And then all of a sudden it's over. And I was like, oh my gosh, did I just meditate? Or was I just thinking about my to-do list? And you really realize that the time spent was meditation. That was the point. There are definitely meditations where I'm super zoned in on my breathing. And every time the person I'm listening to says, inhale, I'm inhaling. Every time they say, exhale, I'm exhaling. And I think what I've learned from it is that just like any other journey, consistency is the most important piece. Jason and I ran the marathon last year. And you know we can talk about the training journey for that. And if I go back and look at that journey, the consistency of setting out, this is what I'm going to run this week. This day, I'm going to do this. This day, I'm going to do this. That worked. And to be able to see that work for me on a physical journey is really helpful in the mental space. And that's where Jason and I, when you talked about wellness, we really focus on that holistic model. And a lot of people get into what we do because we'll run a a track club or they'll come on the retreat and feel really good during the workout, realizing that that is a segue into getting the mindset figured out. And so, when we think about this really together, it's all about bringing all those pieces together because if you do things really well from a mindset and gratitude perspective, but you're not taking care of your body, then you're really not going to maximize your potential. On the other side of that, if you're working out just for a six pack, we always ask, so what? What's the point of just having abs or arms or being able to run fast or lift heavy there's got to be something greater to that. And I think when you really get into the mindfulness of it all, 
you really start to realize that your body is a vehicle to do great things if you choose to. And once you get yourself in really good shape, whether that's physically or mentally or both, which is kind of our goal, you can start to do a lot more. And that's where things like Jason mentioned of just like putting down the gas pedal and taking action, you can get a lot of stuff done. And um, speaking about that journal, so four years ago yesterday was my last day at my at, of working in the corporate world. So after I oh, worked wow. at uh, yeah, it's crazy. So I keep a journal. I'm talking uh, to you on a special anniversary day. Yeah. So the last piece of my, my gratitude and appreciation is my one line a day journal. And so my wife, she got this one of those from her mom in college. And essentially what it is, it's a, it's a journal. And every single day has five sections for five years. And every single page is a day. So it would be, you know, June 15th of 2020 is the day you start. And then the next day, you, next year, you get back to that page, you, you start 2021, 2022. So as you start to go through it, you start to see year over year. Now, I've been keeping this journal every single day for seven years. So I've seen a lot of progressions. <laughs> and I was texting Jason last night whenever I see something funny about Live Better or something that we've done. It's so cool to look back at that. So I love seeing that. And one of the big shifts in that journal in my mind was when I started signing off every single day with the best day ever. And to see how my life has changed since then, because you know there was years of that journal where I was working a job I didn't love. And you can just start to see how everything changes when the mindset is right. Like relationships get better. You get more open to things. You start to have better understandings of the people around you, yourself, your physical journey. Like all of those things change. And I credit a lot of that to the mindset of it all. Um, so it's really cool to reflect. And I, and I love that journal. And it's, uh, it's a really awesome way to keep track of your thoughts and to see that throughout a year, you're going to have ups and downs. And it's really just really understanding that you're looking at an upward trajectory and that's the only thing you can really control. And you do that every day? Every single day. Yeah, so it's one line a day. Um, it's probably more like three or four lines. I would say it's probably five lines in a journal, little section. The book itself is smaller than the average book. Um, it's pretty small. Uh, I'll send it to you so you can link it um, for people to get. And it's really cool. It's essentially every single day you write a little note. And then the next year you come back and you see that note. And then the next year you come back and you see the last two years. The next year you come back, you see the last three, last four, last five. So I'm looking at six years back of all of this stuff. And it's just, it's just incredible to see. Um, and it's also really humbling to see that. And we always talk about this. A lot of people overthink what they can do in a day and underthink what they can do in a year or five years or 10 years because they get caught up in this space where like I, it's just too much to handle. And what I can show through this thing is whether it's a daily run for the marathon or whether it's, man, today I figured out how to share a post on Instagram and now I know how to do that. And now I can grow that business more. Like you look at all these little things that you look back at and the fact that you just took action today and today and today, it, it adds up over the long haul. And I think it's those daily consistent actions, whether that's a gratitude practice or just a practice of action is the most important thing. 
Um, and you'll see it because it looks like people get successful overnight, but it's years. It's, it's always years. It doesn't even matter if it looks like an overnight success. It was even years of thinking before somebody pressed the button and then it, then it worked. Um, and that's, that's a cool thing to look at. Wow. Yeah. So much, so much there to respond to and to get deeper into. I think the thing that I, I want to go back to that you said, and that is so true is that the, the engine of our wellness, the engine of our life really is the, is our mind and is the condition of our mind. And one thing that I've realized, uh, through a meditation app that I highly recommend called waking up is the name of the app. It's from uh, Sam Harris, who also has his own podcast, which actually inspired this podcast is that your, your mind can be trained in the same way that you can train your body physically. You know, a lot of people see, uh, evolutions of, of people's bodies, you know, going from someone who's, you know, somewhat overweight or out of shape to, in miraculous shape. But what many people don't realize is that that same transformation, that same magnitude of transformation is available in your mind. And our mind is the product of all of our experiences, our, our suffering. It's the, you know, our, our success, our, our habits. And if you just 10 minutes a day of, of mindfulness meditation, and you said, Brett, that it can take, you know, months or even years to experience the benefits but actually in in my experience that hasn't necessarily been true i mean there could be you know other confounding factors but in a relatively short amount of time using a guided meditation app i've found that i can create distance between my reaction and and my thoughts and that is just so powerful and there's other mechanisms out there too i i actually just happened to listen to this podcast where this um neuroscientist, her name is Shannon Irvine, was on uh, this podcast called Entrepreneurs on Fire. And she talks about brain priming and how listening to certain bits of audio can actually rewire your subconscious from a limited mindset to, you know, a, a belief mindset. And you can you can start to believe in the, in the power of your in the ability of your, your success. So that uh, and then also with gratitude, you know, um, there's been many studies that have shown that shifting to that gratitude mindset of just at the end of each day, I actually have a, a journal of my own that I, I really like, and I, I will definitely adopt yours and put those in the show notes. Um, there's just one I happen to find at a, a bookstore. The front says, calm the chaos. So I'll, I'll put a link to that too. But um, there's a space in here for, you know, writing down things that you're grateful for and writing down, you know, a, a positive experience that you had. And often those things go by in the course of a day and we don't even acknowledge them. You know, I mean, if you kind of think back to your week, you might, you know, depending on the mindset that you have, you might tend to focus on the bad things that happen or the stressful things that happen. But by shifting to those things that you're truly grateful for, and, and many of us have so much to be grateful for, if you if you think about all the possible outcomes, um, it can really, it, it, it grows. And, you know, it creates this compounding effect of like, positive thoughts turn into more positive thoughts and, and rewiring yourself in that way towards success. So definitely a, a lot there. And, um, you know, for those of us that have, have realized it, um, you know, we, we've, we've seen the power of, of that and our physical wellness is, is a product of our, our mental wellness. Um, so a question for, for you guys, for someone who 
you know, and this was very true of me in my twenties, as I'm getting into my thirties, it's a little bit different, um, of an experience, but for someone who is physically active, most of the time, someone who, you know, feels pretty good, feels good about their, their physical health, their relationships, things, things are going to, uh, is, are, are going well. They aren't too concerned about whether they're eating white bread or wheat bread or multi-green bread. You know, they probably never step foot in whole foods. Um, they don't know what a superfood is. What would be your pitch to them on what, what they're missing? What better state is out there that they, they don't know about? You know, this is actually, it's funny. This kind of leads on to what my answer would have been to your, uh, to your gratitude practice or your mindfulness practice. It is, I think, consistently creating space to check in to make sure that you're on the right path. The, the <laughs> busy bees and people who love hard charging tend to just always be charging. And I certainly fall into this category. And being at home now for the last couple months has been really telling for me because I have gotten so much more time. I've created so much more space to make sure I'm working on what I'm working on that you become so much more effective. So people who tend to like be on the move all the time, they're doing all the, they're, they're maybe not necessarily affected by what they eat um, because they don't even take time to realize that there is better. And they are hyper-focused on efficiency, but not as focused on effectiveness. And it gets really easy to feel like you're always doing the right thing when you're on this big momentum track. But being able to take a step back sometimes and say, am I running fast in the, the, in the right direction? So like the mm -hmm. creating the space to take a step back and reflect, like, am I, am I aiming where I want to shoot or am I just, am I just shooting? The, that can create them the space to say and get clear on being like, this is what I want to focus on. This is how I can maybe do this better. If you're never taking time, you don't take time to take a step back. You can never have that reflection because you're always moving. And people don't really do that well on the move. They rush from their job to workouts, to this, to that. And then on the weekend, they're being social. It's like, there's just no reflective space to say, Am I doing all these great things in, in pursuit of something better? And what is better for me? And the second somebody says, you know, I'm doing this perfectly, I can't do it better, is the second they've already started to fail. Um, and so that's what, you know, what we would recommend is like pick something that you want to get better at and go do it and then deep dive further. And the more times you do that, the more parallels you're going to draw between food and sleep and stress and training and recovery modalities and mindset. It's just like those things continue to fuel each other when you are willing to go a little bit deeper. Um, and there's a rabbit hole. I mean, <laughs> the, the nutrition rabbit hole is absurdly deep. The training rabbit mm -hmm. hole, you could get as granular as you want. Um, and I think just being educated on what, not only what seems to work for a wide variety of people, but specifically what works for you. And yeah, when, when people come to you, clients come to you and nutrition is a big part of what you guys do, what would you say most people are doing wrong when it comes to nutrition? 
Um, focused on the wrong things. When, I, when I'm talking to somebody, I always say, you need to earn the right to ask me complicated questions. Um, most people, I think what's funny, is most people know what they should eat. But it's not the difficulty of knowing. It's the difficulty of executing and doing. Because we have extremely emotional attachments to food. We have habitual attachments to food. We have ceremonial attachments to food. And it creates a, a huge problem when people are like, oh, I know I should be eating a salad, but I'm just going to have ice cream instead. <laughs> oh, I know I shouldn't be like, I know I shouldn't be drinking so much like when the like beer cans halfway to their mouth. It's just like you, you hear all these really funny caveated statements all the time. Some of them are self-deprecating. And it's just like you are constantly reinforcing the fact that your discipline is weak. <laughs> um, and that's a harsh way to put it. But like nobody's forcing the food into your mouth. You're picking mm -hmm. up the fork and you're putting it in there every single time. So these food choices for you, you know, if you are, um, you are making your own food choices, like you have a responsibility to own those actions. Um, and we've got a couple really great nutritionists that we lean on and talk to because Brett and I are both not um, registered dietitians, but the, the nutritionists that we work with and, and speak to are so great about distilling these complex topics down into easy ones but like the good ones are the ones that can actually translate that into action so people are like oh should i go keto should i tell me about intermittent fasting tell me about i'm like let's just start with what did you have for lunch and if you can't even remember what you ate for lunch because you were just grazing and at your desk like there's your first problem um and i think it's just kind of like working backwards unpacking so many like complicated um, topics in nutrition and just trying to make it really, really simple for people. Get them to not just jump from what the health to game changers to <laughs> like uh, all carnivore diet. It's like <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to these extremes because you are being swayed and you haven't actually done the research to figure out what works for you. So going back a step to kind of a, maybe focusing on, on physical wellness more so. So, you know, I'm someone who has always been very active and, you know, I, I'm not like a, a superior athlete, but, you know, I've run three marathons and, um, you know, I, I have been practicing yoga at, at periods of time and, um, but not, but not consistently. And, but now, you know, through, and, and that was throughout my 20s, but now that I'm getting into my 30s, you know, if I walk like 20,000 steps one day, which I do a lot of the time, the next day I feel like I can barely get out of bed. And, you know, my I, I have a lot of back pain and things like, the, you know, discomfort, things like that. And what I've been thinking about ahead of this conversation is, you know, maybe there are choices that I need to make differently. Maybe, you know, I was thinking all along, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm okay. Things are okay. But then you, you hit a point where those choices kind of catch up to you and maybe it's, you know, needing to do more yoga, but, um, Brett to you, are there specific things in terms of physical wellness that, you know, those, those choices that catch up to us and things that you might recommend for moving better, for, for feeling better, especially for, you know, longevity as we, we go up there in years. Yeah, it's a really good point. And it's so funny. We had a, we had a physical therapist on our podcast a little bit ago and he does a little bit of work on me 
And he's like, once every, once you hit 25, you start to notice. Once you hit 30, you start to feel. And once you hit 35, it's people start acting old. And I think um, one thing I get from that is that a lot of people will say, oh, wow, my back just all of a sudden started to hurt. Or I've never had this pain in my ankle until a week ago. Or I used to always just run and I feel good. People don't realize that the habitual patterns that you've been moving in for 20, 30, 40, or 50 years have either been slightly incorrect or massively incorrect, but your body is compensating for it and everything hits a breaking point, right? If you have a bridge and cars drive over it, eventually that bridge will crumble. Eventually. Some are way stronger than others. Some of us have better ligaments and tendons than others. Some of us have a larger bandwidth of pain than others. So what that comes down to is really understanding your body. And just like Jason mentioned about understanding your food choices, you have to understand your body. You have to look at the holistic picture. Did you break your ankle when you were six? Did you get in a car accident? Did you play basketball, gymnastics, football, soccer, and lacrosse growing up? Were you a collegiate athlete? Um, All of those things. Do you sit for nine hours a day and then huck out on a 12-mile run without a warm-up four days a week? All of those things will add up. And so what it comes down to, and this is another thing that blends the mind and the body, when you start to meditate more, you start to feel your body a little bit more. You start to connect to your body a little bit more. Our body is the connection between our nervous system and everything else. So what our nervous system does is the sense of feel. You have these receptors in your body that when you touch the ground with your hand or you touch the ground with your foot, sends a signal to your brain saying, I'm either in a good state or a bad state. So once you've suffered an injury, for example, your body will tighten up because it wants to save you. You have to then go through rewiring the framework of your brain to say, it's okay for me to now stretch to touch my toe. It's okay for my hand to go over my head. And when I broke my collarbone a few years ago, I shattered it in a mountain biking accident. Um, I couldn't raise my hand, but when my physical therapist took my hand, she could raise it pretty far. And so I'm like, what is that? Like, I have muscles still. Why is that? Well, it's because your nervous system, your body, your brain is saying, no, 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 no. If I move it this way, there's a chance of it getting hurt. I'm not going to do that anymore. So most of us over time are not really understanding that that's happening. And then eventually your body's really tight and wound up and you go do something. You're out for a run and you run off a curb and your entire ankle snaps. And you tear a bunch of stuff in your ankle or you're just feeling lower back pain all the time. And what that comes down to, it's a really just, it's a daily practice of, of what we call mobility. Now, mobility is a, is a term that's being thrown out a lot. Mobility is not just rolling around on a foam roller. It's not just reaching for your toes. What mobility is, it's a blend of strength and flexibility. So we don't need to be Susan Bend and stretch and we don't need to be a bodybuilder. We have to find that medium. So that's can I touch my toes, but also can I lift something from that position? And what that really looks like is just taking a daily practice. And in all honesty, like you said, your mindfulness practice can be 10 minutes. So can this. You can create a routine where you're 
getting your feet warmed up in the morning. Most people don't understand that the majority of the neuroreceptors in your body are in your feet. So the first step you take out of bed, if your feet say, no, I'm tight today, good luck for the rest of the day trying to lengthen out your hamstrings and your back because every step you take is going to tighten that back up. And that's why it might feel really good after you get a massage because you've been laying down, they're working into that spot. And then as you start to take more steps throughout the day, things start to just tighten back up or the next day. So what you want to do is you want to create everlasting change in your body through really understanding yourself and being able to focus on a mobility routine that's specific for you based on what's happened in the past, what you're currently doing and where you want to go. And I think taking that mindfulness piece of it is saying like, I'm going to dedicate time to myself every day. It might not be a grueling run. It might not be a hard class or a big weightlifting session, but to deload your body is super important so that your body fixes itself because that's what it's striving for. It's striving to feel good and to actually fix itself. Like my bone fused back together in my collarbone because the body wants to heal. And then I had to then work with my nervous system to say, I can now move all of the other stuff that wasn't necessarily directly impacted to move my arm in a shoulder, in a circle, eventually raise it over my head, eventually lift weights, eventually do a handstand again. And you can change your body drastically, but that takes another thing, which we just talk about all the time, which is just consistency. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that struck me as you were talking coming from your expertise is that we seek out experts in many, many ways. We, you know, we go to the doctor to understand if we, you know, what our diagnosis is, or if we, you know, if our, if our cold is something worse, or, you know, we, um, uh, you know, we, we, in, in school, you know, we learn from professors who are experts in their fields, but when it comes to physical well-being, I think a lot of people kind of just go it on their own and they don't seek out those experts. And, the intense back pain that I'm experiencing and the inability to really be at my, my physical peak um, or, or, or peak performance, as you guys talk about is probably a result of just feeling like I don't, you know, it's not, not worth the um, investment or, or the money to seek out those experts. And, and that's probably, that's probably wrong. Um, and also, you know, one of the dynamics here is uh, which actually is a, a, a connection to the next question I have, which is those, those small incremental, you know, movements or those, those, um, decisions play out in a big way over time. So, you know, if you're continuously have bad posture, you know, maybe you won't feel bad immediately, but over the long term, you know, you're, you're going to run into some serious issues and, and correcting that upfront is, is probably the right way to go about it. Um, so one thing I, I really want to ask you about, um, related to your whole business is there's this, this amazing um, author who wrote, wrote this book. His name is James Clear. He wrote a book called Atomic Habits. Have you heard of that book? Yep. I read it last month. Okay. Amazing. So you probably have more insights than I, I do because I only listened to a podcast that he did about the book. Um, so I, I definitely, definitely want to read it. Um, but one of the insights that he has that he shares is this distinction between goals and systems and how for many people, especially in, in physical well-being, you know, they set a particular goal. They, they have that end in mind about, you know, running their first marathon or losing a certain amount of weight. 
but really what the important thing is, is to create those systems that enable those goals to happen. You know, he talks about how Olympic athletes or people in a, a competition, they all have the same goal, but they, the ones who end up winning that gold medal are the ones that instill that mental and physical systems in place to be able to produce that goal. Um, the way that he puts it is we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. So with that in mind, how do you guys think about the interplay between those two things, goals and systems towards building a healthy life and, and building the best life ever? The In our mindset program, the fourth phase of it is preparation and performance. And it comes on the back end of actually pre-setting up some of those systems. So the goal is really just like your target. The system is the is the process by which you go after your goal. So you've run three marathons, you have a time target, um, but then you start asking all these questions like, okay, well, I want to run a three hour marathon. How do I do that? Well, you need to achieve this mileage. You need to put down this volume. Here's what strength training you need to do. It's like all of those elements make up the system. And then your systems um, have structure. And that is the process by which you go after your goals. I think it's really important when we teach goal setting, we split it up into your macro goal. So the big overall goal, um, meso goals. So in slightly smaller chunks and then your micro goals, which are the smallest chunks. Maybe that's what you do on a day-to-day basis. And I think it's really important for people to understand that the, the goal you have is a point in time in the future, but it's not what you're doing today. So if my goal is to deadlift 400 pounds and I can only deadlift 200 today, well, I'm not going to achieve my goal today. So what am I going to do today in pursuit of my goal? That is the, that is the system you set up um, by which you go after your goal. The, I'll add just like a, a little bit of flavor to things we do, but in our, in our goal setting workshop part of this mindset program, we talk about all of the things that go into goals that a lot of people don't consider. For instance, already walking through many of the challenges that you may face along your path to trying to reach your goal. If, if you're trying to run a marathon and your full-time job is a lawyer and you need to work 90 hours a week, it's going to be really difficult to dedicate the same amount of time that a professional athlete might dedicate to their marathon training. So you're already sort of admitting that there are these competing priorities. It's like, oh, well, I got kids at home. Oh, well, I have to do this. And oh, I, I can't train tomorrow because it's my friend's birthday and these are in town. It's like, all right, now we're starting to get into the weeds a little bit on how we need to create better systems so that you do and you do in fact achieve that actual end goal and kind of thinking about the the system is the the process by which you go after your goals. Like it is not enough just to set a goal. You have to set up how you're going to go about doing that. And not only in these like big overarching kind of unclear ways, but in the small, direct, actionable ways. So I'm going to do a three mile recovery run today at my recovery pace. I'm doing this early. Here's what nutrition's going behind it. Here's what I'm going to do to warm up. Here's what I'm going to do to cool down, like getting granular. And it's not just running. You can do that for any goal you have. You want to finish atomic habits in two weeks. Great. Divide that 
how many pages are in the book by 14. If you read that amount every single day, um, that's how you would finish it. Oh, but next Tuesday I have meetings for 12 hours and this day I have to do this. Like, okay, well now you're going to have to redistribute some of that. When are you planning on reading? What are you going to give up in place of reading? You start to understand why so many people set goals and then fail. It's because the system is not set up to succeed. And that is really important from start to finish to always consider that it is the system and it is the process that actually allows you to reach your goals um, and not do so by luck alone. That's so right. And, you know, on on that point about goal setting, which I think is very important, I, I think it's related to having aims and having no, you know, a goal is almost like a goal post in a way in terms of am I moving in the right direction? Am I, you know, what what are the things that I want to accomplish with my life? What are the ways that I want to make this the the best life ever? And so to that end, your goals can communicate that. But the the systems are really, as you said, that the way that you get there. And, you know, what James says, which I think is so true, is that sure, running a marathon one time, like that's impressive and that's something you can always have with you. But being the person who runs every day or every other day and achieves physical wellness through that is uh, is really the goal is is the more important thing. And what what you just said, Jason, that struck me is that um, when you set that goal, it will fall through the cracks unless you communicate to yourself why it's so important that you do this. And you know, getting to that place. Where, where you recognize what this means to you and what this means, you know, especially if you can communicate what it would mean to, to others. I know both of you guys have, are, are close with your family and, you know, have, are, are in relationships and like having that um, significance to why do I want to set this goal? Well, if I read Atomic Habits, you know, I might, that might play out in ways that I don't even know in the rest of my life and might enable my business to be successful. So kind of signifying and remembering why that um, goal is is so important to you. So we're kind of getting up a, against time here. And <laughs> there's so much that I, I would like to ask you. Um, but unfortunately, we're, you know, we're just short, short on time. So I guess one, one thing we'll, we'll end with is, in terms of staying accountable to yourself and, you know, like we were just talking about incorporating, you know, for a marathon, like there's a, a schedule that you, you know, follow. And that's why they recommend that is that it will get you to that goal. And, the, and that's the system is running a certain amount of every day. So for our listeners out there in terms of remaining accountable to oneself and following those systems, is there any advice that you guys have had? And I think, this actually goes to something we, we didn't talk about, which I would have liked to got to, which is like you, you guys talk about designing your environment in ways that reduce friction towards your goals and having those morning, uh, having those rituals and having things in, in, in place that support your, your goals. So yeah, maybe talk about that, about staying accountable, staying on the path and getting, getting to that end point. I think one thing that you just touched on is, probably the most important thing, which is the environment. And I think that when we look at goals, whether it's a physical journey, a journey to pursue your purpose more, or anything, it's about the environment in which you're in. And so we always talk about that you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with. 
And one thing that I want to stress about that is that that doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, we see that now, that you don't have to physically be with those people the most. So if that's your Instagram feed or the news you watch or the podcast you listen to or the books you read, that also counts. And so when you're aligning yourself with people that want to run, you will run more. When you align yourself with people that want to drink, you will drink more. It's just the fact. We as individuals, takes it takes a lot more effort as an individual to overcome an environment than it does to play within that environment. The one thing that we have control over is that environment. So if you want to get stronger, then show up to the gym every single day. We had a, a gentleman on our podcast that said if he could write a book, a, a plan for everybody in the world to get stronger, it would be 365 pages long. And all it would say on each page is show up at the gym today. Show up. And show up at the gym. And he's like, you don't need to write anything else. He's like, if you just walk into the gym 365 days a year, you will be stronger by the end of the year. It's a guarantee. He's like, some days you might walk in, not do anything. Some days you might walk in, work out hard, but if you show up every single day, you'll get there. And that's because the environment is set up to do well. We've seen that during this quarantine time, it's harder to do some things because you can't get to the gym or you can't get your workouts in. And so what happens is how can we set up our environment to do that? You can do that by blocking off time on your calendar. So it's a must do. You can set up a Zoom meeting with a friend saying, hey, we're going to work out every day at 10 a.m. You can join a workout class. You can do that with yourself too by saying, I only associate with people that are in that growth mindset that are no longer in that limiting mindset. And once you get your environment figured out, which takes a lot of time, and I've gone through the ringer of that personally, um, getting into and in and out of environments that didn't serve me well. And uh, I've noticed that it's just insane how much better and more you get done when you're in the right environment. So Take a quick look at who you're surrounding yourself with, what media you're consuming, what you're reading. And when you start to shift some of those things, very very similarly to what we talked about with meditation, you can start to see some pretty big impacts. And it's exponential. It's not like if you just remove one bad person, it gets better for a day. But then that ooh, I really want to start doing this. Well, now I think I can do this. Now, instead of having this person in my corner that only gossips and complains, I either have no one, so I'm not drowning in that, or I subbed this person in that's already started a business. So now every time, instead of talking to somebody that's like, I don't know, you really think you can do that? Well, what about insurance? What about what about your 401k? You've got somebody that's, okay, so, you know, month one, these are the three insurance companies I talked to. Month two, I set up this, um, different fund so that I can put money into it every month. You're like, oh, this is a doable thing. And it was just one person in and out, one switch. And then that just compounds and compounds and compounds. And then years happen and you just think about it and you're in a, such a better space. So really think hard about who's in your who's in your corner. Jason and I always go back to talking about your board of advisors. Choose people. Like if you're listening to this podcast right now and you want to get in better shape, Think of one person you already know in your system that works out a lot and say, hey, I want to work out with you one day a week. 
Can we set up a time? I'll come to the gym. I'll join the gym. I just want to do that. And you start on that path. You have to show up because that person expects you to do it or buy a 30 class of workouts. And now you have a financial obligation, but you're going to get to that environment and you're going to put in the work. So true. Yeah. Everything you said there, really powerful about not only the environment that you find yourself in, but the people that you surround yourself with. And those are huge factors in seeing the life that you want come to, come to fruition. So guys, you've been extremely generous with your time and I've really enjoyed this. I do have a tradition that I want to keep in that we ask the, the same guest, um, or I'm sorry, every guest, the same two questions. So just want to hear from you guys briefly. Um, if you could solve one problem in the world, what would it be? Oh man, that's heavy. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, without, without, uh, prioritizing problems, I would solve the problem of, um, I don't know how to say this like succinctly, but I would solve the problem of people not understanding that they have freedom of choice. Like I would solve the problem of this limiting belief that you don't have control over your circumstance. And that is not to say that there are, there are not bad things that will happen. And this is kind of the basis of our business is that there's always a way forward if you decide that. And some people have given up on that. Some people haven't yet realized that. Um, and some people haven't been shown that opportunity fairly or unfairly. And I think it's really important that that message and that that support um, is given because if you can get, if you could solve that problem for so many people, for the people who haven't been shown that opportunity yet, those people could then be leaders, essentially empowering almost everyone in the world to help somebody understand that like, by choice, you can improve your circumstance. Like you can choose to make the next moment better than the one before it, rather than make it negative. I think it's just kind of solving that limited limited belief that we don't have freedom of choice when, in fact, you always have a choice. Wow. Yeah. Very meta there. Uh, <laughs> really yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, that would take care of a, a lot of other problems in the world, you know, that, that would, um, people committing certain acts would, would not do that if they realized they had freedom of choice. How about you, Brett? Yeah, I really second that. I think our mission that we've dedicated to is, um, on a local level. I think a lot of people think about things at a really big scale and that's what scares them to take action. So um, I guess to kind of second Jason and also to say that kind of to rid the the thought that you can't take action. I think that Jason and I have a program where we donate yoga mats and programming to Chicago public schools to help the youth with their mindset through movement and meditation. And it's been a cornerstone of our, our business as well as just who we are because I think that there's a massive need to take action. And I think a lot of people want to take action, 
and they just get caught up in other things. And I think, you know, I believe that majority of people are really, really rooted in good. And so I think if, if everybody could just say, I'm going to take action and whether it's volunteering once a week, once a month, financially, whatever you, whatever people have, I think if more people just took action in what they really believed in, we would be in a really good place. So true. So true. Yeah. If people didn't leave the, the problems of the world for other people to solve. Um, well, I love both of those answers. I think as we get into this, those might be two of the more unique answers that we hear to this question. So that's one of the reasons I want to ask everyone to get their thoughts. Okay. Lastly, if you could recommend one thing that has been transformative to you, ideally like a book or an article or uh, you know, a movie or a podcast episode or a podcast itself, what, what would that be? <laughs> I'll potentially steal Brad's answer. Um, I would say everyone should read the book, The Alchemist. Um, and everyone should also read the book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And then I just finished on, that recently. Yeah. Amazing. And then on the podcast front, one of the podcasts that really just kind of like got me going and thinking and doing things from the very start on Tim Ferriss's podcast. Very early on, he interviews um, Chase Jarvis, who's a big photographer and now the founder since that episode of Creative Live. And that episode was just really cool listening to somebody talk about their progression and value and starting. A, it was just it was just awesome. So I would say those three things, Alchemist, Man Search for Meaning, and that Tim Ferriss podcast with Chase Jarvis was like one of the, just like a kickoff thing for me. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's like the most monumental podcast ever. That was just really shape-shifting for me. Cool. How about you, Brett? Yeah, uh, those are really good ones. It's impossible for me to say one thing, um, but I would do Simon Sinek's TED Talk, um, start with why. Insane understanding of really doing something for the why. I think it's extremely important. Um, that one's really good. And then I would say for any business owner, uh, read the article, A Thousand True Fans, because it makes you really realize what it takes um, to to be to find your success. And I think a lot of people get caught up, especially in this age now, of having to reach so many people trying to get a million followers and you know all of these things if you service the people that love what you do and believe in what you do you can go a long way excellent well we will put all of those in in the show notes and um, so our listeners can can check those out very powerful I'm always looking for great recommendations and you know many of the things that have changed my life have come from friends so Amazing. Um, you guys are, are awesome. Make sure everyone listening to this goes check to check out uh, livebetterco.org and uh, also the Live Better podcast. Um, and this was just a, a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jared. It was we awesome. appreciate it, Jared. Thank you. enjoying the All Things Connected podcast, there's many ways you can show your support. You can write a review on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher, wherever you listen. 
You can share it with a friend or talk about it on your own podcast. You can post about it on social media, such as sharing your favorite episode. Or you can support it directly on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash all things connected. Thank you very much. Your support is much appreciated.